Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. We're going to segue from uh, Mikhail Gorbachev to uh, the Apartheid Museum, and our next guest uh, for the rest of our hour is Amelia Potenza, and she is the curator of the Apartheid Museum. And I suspect that many listeners to this radio station, uh, as well as many, many thousands of people around the world, have been to that museum and have been suitably impressed and even awed by uh, its effort to document both the history of a city, and parentheses, a country, as well as uh, the realities of a political ideology and somehow, improbably perhaps, but effectively stitching the two together in a narrative that uh, really inspires, appalls, and astounds people sort of simultaneously. Amelia, it's good to have you with us. Thank you, Brooks. It's good to be here. And for a number of years now, like so many other things, your museum was basically closed to the public because of the COVID pandemic. But as I understand it, if you're not 100% back up and operating, you're well on the way. You're, you're open for a number of days each week and exhibits are coming in and visitors are arriving again. And tell me about that. Yes, it's been uh, very encouraging to us that we, we reopened our doors on the 1st of April and we are now open from Wednesdays to Sundays every week and on public holidays. Um, we're one of the few heritage institutions in, in the city that is open on public holidays, which always surprises me because that is really an important day to get local visitors, um, which is an important audience that we, we, you know, we are, are trying to grow. I often still um, have people say to me, you know, I'm embarrassed to say I still haven't been to the Apartheid Museum. And I always respond by saying it's okay, you know, you can still come. And I do really believe that every South African should visit the Apartheid Museum at least once. And Johannesburgers have really got no excuse. If you're a Johannesburger, I recommend that you make multiple visits because I think it's there's so much on offer at the museum and that it's quite difficult to, to do justice to the museum in one visit. It's also quite harrowing and, 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 and you know, it, it, it's emotionally demanding, but I think it is a critical institution to visit as a South African, you know, for, for many reasons. I first went there actually before it was open for the public. Uh, I was escorted by one of the designers of the original structure and exhibitions and, and all the rest. And what I, what I was delighted with, if I could use that word, is the audiovisual quality of so much of it. It wasn't simply stuff in cases and boxes and pictures. It, there were videos and there was film and there were real tactile things to you know, come to grips with. There was accidentally discovered footage of the March on Parliament in Cape Town from, what was it, from, from Langa, I guess. Uh, that had been discovered yeah. purely by accident from an amateur filmmaker who was really a telephone lineman 
and he just happened to be fixing something that day and had his camera with him and it had been discovered. And then there were, there were hosts of other things, but tell me how you stitched together these two slightly disparate ideas. One, the history of a city and a place and a country and the other, the narrative of an ideology. So, you know, what what I think was very um, powerful about um, the concept of, of the exhibition was that, you know, we are in Johannesburg and and our, we are not a site-based museum like Constitution Hill, uh, for example. So what we, we thought would be very effective was to locate ourselves in the city and say that we are standing right on the largest gold reef in the world, right under our feet, where the museum is located. And it is because of the discovery of gold in 1886 that Johannesburg exists. And that's how we kick off the narrative that that um, propels us into 20th century South Africa and lays the foundation for, I suppose, racial capital um, you know, in, in relation to the mines and, and the economic base of the mines and how that sets the scene for segregation um, in the early 20th century and then for apartheid. I have been able to take foreign visitors to it over the years, people, uh, either personal friends coming out to visit or uh, visitors when I was still working for the U.S. government in the embassy, it was, if not a mandatory stop, at least it was something that we put high on the agenda for people if there was time, with the understanding that it's not something you could just breeze in and out in 30 minutes. Uh, you know, you, you, you don't get a list of 12 things like you might say at the Louvre, but you have to see this painting and that sculpture and this thing, and then you can go on to the next place. You really have to walk your way through it and contemplate and absorb and follow the, I hate to use the word, but follow the narrative of, of the exhibitions. And you know, we, we generally recommend that people spend, you know, allow for at least two hours for a visit to the museum. But we do find that some visitors really want to engage with every detail, not, not the majority, but there are certainly some, and find themselves spending the whole day. And so I really do think that, you know, I, you know, take it in, 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 in stages if you're a Johannesburger and, and I would say you need to make two or three visits to the museum. In fact, the, the new um, U.S. ambassador is coming to the museum for the first time, the U.S. ambassador to South Africa on Thursday, because he also feels that it's a, a mandatory thing to do to familiarize himself um, a, a bit more with South Africa's history. Now, what exhibits, I mean, you've been closed or sort of shuttered for what feel, must have felt like a lifetime, you, but you've got new exhibits coming in and you have things on, on the schedule that will come in. We're going to take a quick break and then I want you to tell me what's coming up. What should we look forward to seeing as we move forward? This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. And we are indeed 
live, and this is Brooke Spector, and this is The Deep Dive, and we're talking with Emilia Potenza of the Apartheid Museum. Now that it's back open, and you all ought to go if you haven't been, if you've been, go again. But uh, I wanted to ask Amelia about the upcoming exhibitions, but she reminds me that we have skipped a topic which is dear to her heart, and I think which is crucial for the functions of any museum, which is the way in which it engages with school children, schoolgoers. Yes, you know, a big part of our audience are school children, Brooks. About 50% of, of our visitors are, are large groups, busloads of school children who come every day. The balance of our visitorship is probably about 30% international tourists and then about 20% local adults. But I have to say that a few weeks ago, I took a group of grade nine school children around the museum and... Um, while they were enthusiastic and receptive um, and interested in the past and asked lots of questions about the past, I was really shocked about how little they knew about the past. When I asked them, for example, about National Women's Day, they had only a very superficial understanding. And on the question of the past laws, a hazy idea. In fact, only two of the children had heard of Steve Biko. This is sadly not unusual. And that is why we are so happy to be able to celebrate the reopening of, of the Apartheid Museum and 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 to, to highlight how important it is for and that for this the, the work of this institution is so critical, particularly for young South Africans. You know, we have walked among giants and we have battled against monsters. What a terrible thing it would be to have such a history and not even know it. So, so, you know, the permanent exhibition tells the story of South Africa from the emergence of life in the cradle of humanity to the dramatic events of the 20th century and beyond. And we chronicle particularly the apartheid period from the early campaigns of the 1950s all the way through to the mayhem of the 1980s, the terrible years of transition, the triumph of democracy, and the redemptive experience of the TRC. And very importantly, we draw out the lessons for life in South Africa today, for life in the world today, and for contemporary struggles against racism and discrimination. But of course, the permanent exhibition can only do so much. Um, and, you know, we have a whole program of temporary exhibitions to, to complement and, and to highlight particular stories. Um, that that the permanent exhibition that doesn't always do justice to. And so what is on your schedule? Okay, so right now, uh, when we reopened, we, we opened with a, an exhibition called Truth to Power, Desmond Tutu and the Role of the Churches in the Struggle Against Apartheid. And um, Truth, I mean, it's obviously very timeless in the light of the arches passing in December, but um, we were working on it throughout COVID. I mean, an exhibition of this um, magnitude and importance takes time to curate. And in fact, that was my main focus during COVID. I was working with a team of, of, of people on, on production of this exhibition. And um, so that is in our large temporary exhibition space, the, the George Bezos Gallery. And... I believe it is a must-see. You know, for me, I, I, I believe that we must surely count Tutu as one of our finest. 
and that he is under-celebrated in South Africa is something that really needs to change. Shall I highlight some aspects of the exhibition? No, please. Uh, we have limited time, yes, but if you if you can touch on a couple of the things that you know the must the must be aware of in the exhibition. Okay, so it's a multimedia exhibit. Um, it has a series of really fantastic films that have been specially commissioned for the exhibition around five key themes um, in Tutu's life from apartheid education through um, the, the fight, fighting a false gospel and the role of the churches in fighting apartheid through to um, the campaign for sanctions Tutu's role inside the country, um, in the uh, uh, streets and on the stadiums, and then, of course, the, the, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission and the crit critical role that he played in that process. The exhibition ends with a remarkable music video, which is an animation with an incredible score, which is a, a combination of choral music and Isikosa rap. And it's called two plus two equals freedom. Um, and it is, it, it, it's a real call to action. It ends with Tutu's own voice um, invoking us to take uh, uh, up the mantle um, bus. He, he says the tidal wave of change is made up of a million ripples. We can change the world. Um, so it's a real call to action. And although, you know, it's much harder now um, than it was 20 years ago when the museum opened, um, when we were, you know, the narrative was a much more triumphant one. And, um, you know, it was much easier to inspire um, than it is now. You know, there's so many grave challenges that we face as a society. And, you know, it is a really difficult time to motivate um, young people to you know keenly take on the challenges of our society and to fight for change um but you know we can also be inspired by tutu in, in this regard that you know when tutu became archbishop of cape town um in 1986 the first black archbishop of the anglican church the namibian artist john Mwafangejo uh, produced a memorable liner cut for the occasion depicting Tutu and his congregation with the words, Archbishop in a difficult time, but God will help him. And we similarly face a difficult time today, and we have to take um, a leaf from Tutu's book. What do we do in, in the face of difficulty and despair? We need to take action. We need to not be cowed. We need to believe that we can make a difference. And as you were saying in your earlier interview, you know, a society can change. How did you put it? In a in a split second. In a heartbeat, I think I said. Heartbeat. <laughs> well, heartbeats a couple of seconds, maybe. I, I, <laughs> I, I must just interject and add that, uh, that Archbishop Tutu remains alive in our house. Uh, my wife continues to purchase children's books by him or about him to distribute to younger members of a large family so that the message moves through to the next generation. 
Uh, and uh, I guess we will have to schedule a, uh, a visit again to the museum. Uh, it's been a few years since I've been there, probably like most people now, uh, and reacquaint ourselves with the contents and with the, the imagery and the texture. I have to break again because we need to pay our bills. These are important. Otherwise, the message does not go out. And we'll be back with Amelia Potenza in just a minute. This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector. This is indeed Brooke Spector live on The Deep Dive. And uh, also live on The Deep Dive is Amelia Potenza, the curator of the Apartheid Museum. I realized thinking about this, we didn't actually, for those people who don't know where it is, we didn't explain where this museum is. And I think I'm going to let you give instructions to people about how you find it, how you get there. Yes, it's actually very easy. You just take the M1 South, you take the Boysons off-ramp, and then you um, follow the signs, those sort of brown heritage signs um, indicate clearly where the Apartheid Museum is. But you you drive past the Gold Reef City Casino on your left, Gold Reef City Theme Park on your right, and then the entrance to the Apartheid Museum is right there. You can't really miss it because of those tall, iconic pillars with the seven core values of our constitution emblazoned on them. And, and, and that's where you'll find us. Never say you can't miss it because that's a guarantee of people driving <laughs> right, right past it. I can't find it. I mean, that's that, that's an absolute 100% guarantee. Somebody will, not, will, will call later and say, we looked and looked and we couldn't find it. But remember the two tall stone towers with the words on the side. And if you can find Gold Reef City, you can find the Apartheid Museum. I guess that's the that's the key. And my wife reminds me that the book that I was uh, talking about is called God, excuse me, God's Gift. God's Dream. God's Dream. Excuse me. I'm getting yes. coaching here. Yes. God's Dream. Um, I hope that you're going to have a stock of some of the books about and by uh, the, the Arch uh, at this temporary exhibition. Yes. Uh, you do good. Good thoughts. We'll buy a bunch. Wrapping you know, just on the question of God's dream, um, we did simultaneously a permanent version of this exhibition in Cape Town, mm. which is at the, the Desmond and Layer 22 Legacy Foundation um, building in, in Batenkamp Street, the old granary building, the most beautiful right. building. And the ground floor of that building is a series of interconnecting rooms. And this uh, a, a version of this exhibition is now their permanent exhibition um, because it seemed crazy to be curating a temporary exhibition of this nature um, uh, while there was no permanent exhibition to the arch in the country and you know not in Cape Town, a city which is so much associated with the arch. Um, and in that exhibition there's a whole display of the children's books. Um, and God's dream was translated into, I think, something like 16 different languages um, and has, you know, been distributed globally. That's that's good news. Interfaith knowledge uh, on the go in every one of the major languages of the world, perhaps. Amelia, it's been a pleasure talking with you, and I do hope that listeners will take time to make it 
make a trip to the apartheid museum in their own schedules Wednesday through Saturday, is it, or Sunday? Sunday. But Wednesday, Wednesday Sunday, 9 to 5. And on national holidays, it's open, so there is no excuse. And can I end with, with by quoting Father Trolani Duarte, the Dean of the Anglican Church in Johannesburg, on the Tutu ex exhibition? He said, I see it more as a pilgrimage than a visit to an exhibition. It ignites something within you to explore and reflect on what contribution you can make as an individual and collectively. Good words to end with. Amelia, thanks very much for joining us.